How can average working citizens like us, how can we reform our unjust financial system to erode the wealth and power of big banks, traditional corporations, and the super rich, and redistribute that wealth and power back to average working citizens without relying on politicians and regulations? This is the question we ask on the Crowd Effect podcast. I am your host, Paul Lovejoy, activist, investment advisor, and founder of Stakeholder Enterprise. On today's show, we're going to talk about equity crowdfunding, which, uh, if you listen to my previous episode, is a democratic vehicle of change. And what are we trying to change? Well, it's our unjust financial system. Um, now, equity crowdfunding, what is it? It is when a large group of people pool small amounts of money to fund either a business venture or a startup company in return for a percentage of ownership. Now, equity crowdfunding wasn't legally allowed to the general public until 2015. Um, now, before that, you had to be something called an accredited investor, which is someone who makes uh, uh, as a single person, $200,000 a year for the last two years, or a couple that makes $300,000 a year for the last two years, or you have a million dollars cash in the bank. Um, now if this is 2% of the American population that qualifies as an accredited investor. Um, and wh why, why is there this distinction? Um, now we'll have to go back in time a little bit to explain the history of, uh, the private market of investments. Now, what, what is the private market? Well, first off it, you probably have heard of the public market of investments, which are buying stocks and bonds from publicly traded companies on the stock market. Now. Uh, the private market is where uh, historically uh, big banks, institutional investors, and the super rich um, invest in startup companies or, or privately held companies. Um, and it's where the general public is, is locked out. And, and that's because the SEC... Uh, thinks that the general public is not sophisticated enough to understand the risks and invest in the private market. So what happened? Why did the SEC um, take this stance? Well, um, it all started in, uh, during, it started with the Securities Act of 1933. Now, prior to 1933, it was the wild west of investing. Uh, there were so many uh, fraudsters, hucksters, um, scam artists. It was uh, horrible what was going on back then. Um, you know, people were just selling fake uh, businesses, promising uh, all kind of crazy stuff that that you know had no intention of ever uh, of coming you know to existence. Um, now I'm going to talk about two of them here. I'm going to pull up 
one. Now, uh, in the 1920s, this is uh, when a man by the name of Charles Ponzi developed the famous Ponzi scheme where uh, the people at the top would recruit uh, uh, investors below them, which would pay for uh, people at the top. And so you would, if you were, uh, uh, you would keep wanting to get people below you so the people above you can uh, make money and you can make money. So you'd always want more and more investors and the people that get in at the very end were the ones that lost everything. And the people at the very top, you know, they, they took everyone for a ride. So, so Charles Ponzi in uh, the 1920s. Uh, another uh, interesting historical figure that um, uh, completely uh, lied to uh, the general public and created a bank run in 1907 was uh, John Pierpont Morgan. Uh, or J.P. Morgan. Now, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase currently is the largest uh, American bank, and it's the only American bank in the top ten most profitable corporations in the world today. And it it largely got its start uh, through um, dishonesty and unethical behavior. Now, I'm going to read something here from Forbes. Um, during the devastating financial panic of 1907, JP Morgan literally rode to wall street's rescue in a carriage drawn by a prized white horse. But when the panic was more closely scrutinized, critics argued Morgan was more culprit than savior months earlier. He had leaked a lie to the New York times that Knickerbocker trust was insolvent, knowing the rumor would spark bank runs. Morgan and fellow robber barons were accused of undermining the economy in order to create an illusion that the financial landscape needed restructuring into a centralized banking system. The main beneficiaries of which would be JP Morgan and a handful of super rich industrialists. Okay. Uh, Oddly enough, the uh, Charles Ponzi, uh, the modern day Charles Ponzi, Bernie Madoff, um, he kept his, he did his banking with none other than J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, and this is where he took all the investors' money and put it into his bank account at J.P. Morgan. And guess what? They never flagged his account. There was never any suspicious activity um, notification sent to the federal uh, government, nothing, nothing like that. Um, so with, with all these fraudsters and hucksters prior to 1933, um, that's when the SEC said, okay, we need to protect investors uh, from risk because they clearly don't understand what's going on. And that was largely true back then, but we've all changed that, you know, information has changed so much has changed. And, uh, fortunately, um, now the general public has access to the private market. Now, why is this important? So prior to 2015, uh, only the super rich big banks 
institutional investors uh, were were uh, allowed to invest in this private market, and this is dictating which companies receive funding and which don't. Uh, essentially, a small group of people with a large concentration of wealth were dictating how the future of the world was going to be uh, shaped. Um, the companies that were going to receive fundings, and it was uh, all towards their own vision and their own perspective, which has had devastating and horrible effects to women and minority uh, business uh, owners and, and founders of startup companies. And because of this, there are still echoes of this um, you know, locked out of, of, of women and minority voters. Uh, or, uh, investors. So I'm going to pull something up here again. Um, now in 2021, just 2.2% of uh, venture capital went to women founders. And in 2021, just 1.8% went to African American founders. And this created additional hurdles for them to, to start their, their company. Starting a company is hard enough without dealing with this nonsense. And then if you're getting shut down by all the, the venture capital firms and the big banks, and, and they're all locking you out, you're never going to be able to uh, start a company, which is horrible for the world. We need to have as, uh, as much diversification that we can to, to have companies that are, are, are able to uh, redistribute wealth better. Um, and that hasn't happened. So, so it, it, it's been horrible. Uh, but 2015, everything changed. And especially since, uh, it, it's been eight years since the change that has allowed equity crowdfunding platforms to, to grow and become established. Um, now investing in startup companies is inherently risky. I mean, most startup companies fail, um, and, but uh, venture capital firms are very successful at diversifying uh, this this risk, mitigating this risk with diversification. And uh, according to the the latest uh, surveys, the the average uh, internal rate of return on for venture cap capital firms is twenty five percent. So the super rich institutional investors are absolutely crushing it um, in the private market and uh, they're getting richer and the general public is locked out. So uh, with equity crowdfunding, uh, anybody with as little as $100 can invest in the private market, can invest into startup companies. They have, we now all have a voice in, in shaping the future and deciding, hey, this company I believe in. I believe in their cause. Uh, I believe in what they're doing. And I'm going to put my $100 to, to back this company. And because it's a $100 minimum, I've even seen a platform with a $50 minimum. Uh, you can be diversified as well. Um, you know, for many people, uh, investing 
into 20 different startups at $100 each is, is very attainable. And uh, this is important uh, too, uh, not just on the investor side, uh, but on the founders side as well. You know, I mentioned that uh, women and minorities are totally benefiting from this equity uh, crowdfunding platform. But even just uh, founders that, you know, white men like me, um, they've struggled in the past with these venture capital firms because perhaps they wanted to go in a direction that uh, they felt would be, um, you know, solving a, a social problem. But the venture capital firm would say, hey, this doesn't look profitable. And if you keep going down this road, we're not going to give you any more funding. And so uh, founders prior to 2015 had this um, this voice in their ear of, of a small group of super rich and in institutional uh, investors saying, uh, hey, don't do that with your company. Otherwise, you won't get any funding anymore. So it, it has... Uh, equity crowdfunding has uh, radically altered the landscape of uh, of companies um, really following their 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 passion, not having any mission drift because uh, people who are just the general public, they want the a social mission to, to happen. That's why they're investing with the company in the first place. Um, uh, and when one of these companies do go public, the profits are massive, absolutely massive. Uh, and uh, it would be in everyone's self-interest to, to have uh, all of us profit from this private market. I, mean, I think about it, um, Google, Facebook, Netflix, all of them were, uh, all, all of them only had private market investments from the super rich, the general public they, they no one made anything off those companies. Um, not the real money. Imagine if, if the general public could have invested in, in one of those companies, um, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, when, when these companies first came out, it, it would have, uh, changed uh, dramatically the lives of, of millions of people. Uh, so, so equity crowdfunding, um, it, it, it is something that has completely democratized investing and it's going to have dramatic effects uh, of the future. And it's just so exciting to be uh, alive during this period of history where we have this opportunity to shape the future and deciding what kind of companies we want to have in our world. Do we want to have companies that are uh, only have a responsibility to maximizing profits? Or do we want to have a company that has a responsibility to all stakeholders, to the employees and customers, to the vendors and suppliers, to the environment, to investors and shareholders as well, all stakeholders? Um, what kind of companies do we want in the future? Well, now we have a say, and it, it is it is so exciting and just special to be a part of this time and, and to have this opportunity that we're presented. 
So uh, that's that's what we're going to say about equity crowdfunding for today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about real estate crowdfunding. Um, and I am a crowd investor, and I see you are one too. We'll see you tomorrow. If you want any other further information or detailed, you can always visit my website at stakeholderenterprise.com.